I don't know about you, but the disciples' argument about who is the greatest among them is not entirely foreign to me. There are many times when I have desired greatness or dreamed of being famous and winning awards for a variety of things. I know I've even argued about who was better than whom, especially with my identical twin brother. Growing up, it seemed like most things were a competition between us, and we were always trying to one-up each other, and now that we're grown, not much has changed. (laughs) But I get the disciples' desire for greatness and their argument over who was the greatest. I'm guessing most of us understand their desire to some extent or another. Any of us who have ever played sports or been a part of a competition understand a desire to be better than others at something. And yet when I read about the disciples' desire for greatness, there always seems to be something kind of ugly about it. Which then tells me there's probably something a little bit ugly about my desires for greatness too. But the wisdom from above... James writes, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. I could hear those words over and over again, all morning long, like sipping a cup of coffee, a hot cup of coffee all morning. What a wonderful way to live with wisdom from above, the way that James describes. And that stands in rather stark contrast to, then, the disciples' desire for greatness. The way they were behaving in the gospel this morning and arguing over who was the greatest among them. Now, I don't think this means that we should not, that we should not strive to be great at whatever we do. I think we should strive to be great at whatever we do. But I think Jesus was telling his disciples that they should not be seeking to be admired for their greatness and vaulted over everyone else because of it. So Jesus tells his disciples to be servants rather than to try to be better or on a higher social standing than everyone else. Be like a child, Jesus says. In this context, be like someone who has no social standing whatsoever. Children, or at least toddlers, they're not always the most peaceable. Looking back at what James said, they're not always the most gentle or willing to yield. I love the terrible twos, but (laughs) at the same time, children, at least in my experience, don't tend to care all that much about class and social standing. Unless they're taught to, children, children don't care all that much about the social standing of those with whom they play. If you're nice and if you're fun, they pretty well want to play with you. So be a servant and be like a child, Jesus said. Serve others and don't, too care, don't care too much about the social rungs on the, on, the, rungs on the social ladder. And then we have James. Slightly more, uh, well he was slightly less mild in his uh, rebuke to this, this desire for greatness than Jesus was. Jesus said be like a child. James, on the other hand, wrote, If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. So, it'd be kind of easy as a preacher then to take these readings, and especially that little bit of James, and give a do more, be better, try harder sermon. If you just try harder, 
Then you could be like this servant child that Jesus is talking about. You, if you just try harder, you can be the kind of disciple that James tells us to be. If only you would try harder. I'm not going to give that sermon. To a certain extent, we could probably try, I'll try a little harder. But there's not a particularly lot of good news in do more, try harder, be better. It's nice to know that we can, but that's not really the gospel message. Now, I want to bring in this Proverbs reading, because if we look at the Proverbs reading, it seems like the gospel message might be, do more, try harder, and be better, at least for the women in the congregation. (laughs) Guys, we're off the hook. This is great. A capable wife. Blah, 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 blah. Let's put this reading into a little bit of context. This was written as a mother writing to her son on how to find a good wife. So we're reading this as the wife's future mother-in-law telling her son what she wants her daughter-in-law to be like. So this puts a little bit of that hyperbole of perfection into context. But even with that, I would encourage us to read this not simply as a treatise on how to find or be a good wife, but rather we might benefit more if we read this passage from Proverbs as describing how the church can be as the bride of Christ. The church as the bride of Christ then manages the household well. The church takes care of those in need and makes wise decisions regarding resources and finances. The church works hard and clothes and feeds not only the poor, but also herself and her own household. In other words, the church takes care of its own. As the bride of Christ, the church is wise, kind, strong, brave, and most importantly, faithful to God. So again, we have, as the church is the bride of Christ, we could go into this whole do better kind of thing. Um, but even of our own power, we can do some better, but we're not going to be this Proverbs wife kind of perfect as the church. I don't think the church ever has or ever will be Proverbs wife kind of perfect. Thank God. The good news is that we're not, I mean, we can't be, we're not supposed to be. Did you notice that Proverbs wife did everything all by herself. The husband was kind of just out of the picture. She took care of everything, and he just got all the accolades for it. Great job, yay for me. I've got a great wife. I don't do anything. But yay for me. That's not who we are in the church. The church, as the bride of Christ, is not alone. But we are united to Christ. The two having been made one. So we don't strive on our own. Jesus helps us in our efforts. When we try to live as Jesus taught, when we seek his help in doing so, Jesus guides us and strengthens us. So we're never alone as we seek to live well. As Paul said to the Athenians, God made humankind so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. All that we do is done in God. Our good deeds and our not so good deeds are all done within God's very self. As God's beloved, God has united himself to us such that all of our lives are lived within him. Little wonder then that we might want to try to be better or wish we would live a little better at times. But the purpose of our marriage to Christ is not simply so that we will be better people. In regular old marriage, we don't get married to someone generally so that we'll suddenly become 
a better person, we generally marry folks because we love them. Well, with Christ too, we are joined to Christ simply out of love. And then we seek to do good out of love as well. We're not trying to be good enough for Jesus. Jesus has already declared us to be good enough to be his bride. We're trying to love Jesus as much as we can in response to his love for us. So then how does this tie back to the disciples' desire and our various desires for greatness? Well, for St. Mark's, as part of the whole church, we would want to be a great bride of Christ. But not to be better and get recognition than the other churches in Bay City, as if we were in competition with them. Not going to try to one-up the Presbyterians or the Methodists or anyone else. We would want to be an excellent bride of Christ out of our love for Christ. A desire for greatness or a desire to one-up another church would feel just as ugly for St. Mark's or any other church as for as it did for Jesus' disciples in our gospel reading today. Instead of quarreling over greatness like the disciples did today, we would choose to be lowly and be okay with that. Seeking to do good simply out of our love for Jesus. We would seek not greatness or admiration as we often think of it, but rather we would seek what James talks about, the wisdom from above. For the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Amen.